0: I'm gonna make everybody, welcome to the March 11, 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic DeSudi. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on a bipartisan proposal at the state legislature that would require students to pass a civics test in order to graduate from high school. The exam would pull content from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services test given to people who want to become naturalized citizens. Panda Hoon from Westward Would dropout rates plummet, or would dropout rates raise incredibly
1: if we passed this law? Well, first we should give it to our legislators, and I would think that we would have several open seats in the legislature if that happened. They would not all pass it. We are already are changing standards, and we're going to have a social studies test that the Department of Education is putting on these students next year. It's a really nice idea in theory, but I think really if they pass their courses, they should be able to graduate.
0: David Copeland from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. What do you think of the proposal? I mean, I imagine some people already assume that students are graduating with some sort of sense of civics, but possibly not.
2: You would think so, because of course they're required to take American history in, in high school and typically also in, in junior high or middle school. But uh, as Patty said, it ought to be in the curriculum anyway. I think this will help realign the American history curriculum and also classes like government, say so you might take in ninth grade, with actual civics standards. Clearly the, the civics knowledge in this country, including in some legislators, is very low. The two leading Democratic candidates for president and the leading Republican both are running as if the presidency of the United States is an elective dictatorship uh, where they can just like do anything uh, they want by so-called executive orders. That's not our constitutional system. Our new citizens know that. The natural born ones ought to know that as well.
0: Ben Gilt, a uh, political uh, strategist and consultant, is it up to schools maybe to kind of update the idea of civics? They need to come out with, like, you know, what would the Supreme Court Snapchat about? What, what do you think?
3: <laughs> Supreme Court Snapchat. That's an interesting thought. You know, I think that the idea is fine. Certainly there is a deficiency in, I think, civic knowledge, and the, the entire civic debate in our country has, has uh, gone downhill. So it's a nice idea. I think in, in implementation it might be a, a good idea with, with bad outcomes. And freelance journalist Lisa Kennedy joins us. Uh, if if new
0: citizens have to learn this stuff, shouldn't our students?
4: Um, yes, yes, I do think they should. And I think one of the things that's interesting is that it would actually create, if not a bond and awareness of what new citizens are learning. I mean, in sort of creating an interesting way in which say to say, people who want to be here, who are coming here, have to know this. Shouldn't you and that sort of to create a bond between those two? I think that would be interesting. I do think that the implementation issue is probably not unreasonable, but I like the idea that uh, they may have to sort of know what other people who are just coming here have to know. And it's, I sort of looked at the test and I did fairly well, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. You know, it's just a way to bone up on stuff. I think.
0: The city of Denver enforced its homeless camping ban on Tuesday by removing makeshift homes and personal belongings near 22nd and Lawrence in downtown. Denver Human Services spokeswoman Julie Smith stated the conditions in which people were living were a risk to public health. Patty, there are a lot of angles to this. Uh, Critics came out about how it was done, uh, what resources are available. Uh, Take your pick.
1: Well, let's go back to just over 10 years ago when... The Denver's Road Home was introduced, which was supposed to end homelessness in the city in 10 years, and we see how well that's worked out. The focus with Denver's Road Home, the early focus was smart, which is if you can get people into housing, and especially the people who are uh, have mental illness, have real significant problems, so that you can get them the kind of help they need long-term to keep them off the streets, and then for others who have short-term issues, Losing jobs, uh, illnesses that cost them, you know, that had their hospital bills go up so high, give them the temporary help they need to get back on their feet, all those were really laudatory goals, and somehow, on Denver's Road Home, we lost the way. Up until three years ago, when we suddenly had this anti-camping ban passed, but without the services, we would really need to help people not be on the streets. We were looking, we were supposed to have more shelters. We were supposed to have more places where people who are mentally ill could go for service. And we were supposed to have a day shelter, which finally opened up this fall. But when it opened, it opened without a place people could put their stuff. And that's, that's what really led to the problem we have now. They, if they couldn't park their stuff, they would stay with their stuff. They can't, park, they can't be on the mall. They've been rousted from different, the bike paths <laughs> in different places. And there's nowhere for a lot of these people who are mentally ill and are choosing to be on the streets um, to go. So somehow sweeping them off the streets and taking their stuff or throwing away their stuff doesn't actually seem like it is going to solve the problem ultimately. Out of sight is not going to be out of mind here.
0: David, does the fact that the city had to send in so many different folks to make it seem like such a major sweep point to a bigger problem?
2: Well, it points to the number of people who were there and so how much government action was necessary to deal with it. Um, I would, first of all, defer to Patty's expertise on this issue, but also say that the, the Denver Post editorial board had a different take, and as they explained it, the mayor had been very careful about this and really dotting every I and crossing every T before acting, including making sure that there was shelter space available for every person who got displaced from this illegal camping area. Uh, it's one thing to say, well, if there's no place for them to go, then, you know, why, why just move them from one, one place to another? On the other hand, if there is some place to go, then the law is clear. You, you, you can't be camping and sleeping so as to obstruct public thoroughfares like the 16th street mall or other areas.
0: Ben, should the best city to live in in America be doing more about the problem? Absolutely
3: we should Uh, and you know David it, it, there there aren't enough places for people to go, and if we just believed everything we read in the newspaper, I've got some property in New York <laughs> I'd love to talk to you about. Um, you know, we have fundamentally punted on this issue over and over. Patty alluded to the mission of the Denver Road Home, which has failed. The, this administration has supported the camping ban, which effectively made homelessness illegal in the city. Uh, the University of Denver about a month ago released a report that studied all the different camping bans and, and similar policies enacted or by municipalities across the state and found uniformly that the policies were expensive and not productive for the cities. Um, I think that this action certainly uh, may have felt necessary because it is an eyesore, but the reality is is that we are trying to sweep this under the rug, and it's just another example of this administration trying to do the right thing but totally failing. Lisa, where should the city uh,
0: government specifically be on this issue?
4: Well, I think they're going to have to sort of revisit what the, um, the road home was and sort of try to put into place some actual strategies that can address um, the variety of home, you know, there's a diversity of, in the homeless population. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, and I think that calling it a community is one of the ways to make it sound like one thing when it is, in fact, a diversity of people making choices. And I love that Patty mentioned sort of the notion of, like, people with stuff, right? Stuff is, like, one of the things that we think all of us have a right to. I mean, we may, you know, like, okay, we're, like, backing off on this idea that you can have a right to, like, a place to live, but there's just sort of this sense of, like, how people feel connected to stuff. Um, I don't, I was disappointed in the post um, editorial to some degree because I thought it didn't acknowledge some of the things that really needed to be acknowledged about sort of why people make the choices they make and also it may be not criminalizing but sort of sweeping away things is to sort of not make um, real gestures towards what's going on in this city. I mean, if you have a city that's sort of developing the way it is right now with this boom, this looks very suspicious in some way. So I think it's, it behooves like the mayor and the city to take more steps to figure out how to address transitional housing versus housing for um, chronically homeless people that are really not the mentally ill, that are really not going to be able to sort of transition back into what, you know, what we see as like, you know, of affordable life in some way. So. As of
0: March 1st, the city of Aurora gave its police officers permission to shoot at a moving vehicle in life-threatening situations involving officers and members of the public. The new rule states that officers should only use this method as a last resort. The new Aurora policy takes the opposite tack to how Denver police recently addressed the same issue. You know, David, I remember that you uh, supported this issue, and it was the Denver police policy that they had eventually reversed. Do I assume correctly that you are in favor of what Aurora has done?
2: I think Aurora is right, and what Denver has done is, is ultimately unconstitutional. It's one thing to say, "Oh, you know, you're at a traffic stop, and then somebody speeds away unexpectedly. You know, and you pursue. Don't, don't shoot at that person. That's something that a police department can, within its discretion, say, don't do that." but it's a different thing when there is an imminent threat of murder. When somebody in a car is trying to run over a police officer herself or some innocent, some other innocent person. Aurora allows self-defense and defense of others in that exigent circumstance when there is no other alternative. Denver's policy, you can never shoot at a moving car, when it's trying to kill you and you've got no, no means to escape, that is inhumane. It devalues police lives, and I think it's unconstitutional because the Second Amendment, as explicated by the Supreme Court, includes the right of self-defense, which cannot be taken away from any individual, including a police officer. Their lives matter, too.
0: Ben, Denver and Aurora take opposite views on a lot of different issues. This is not the first one. Uh, who's right on this one?
3: Well, it's an interesting argument. Uh, Certainly, if you look at urban municipalities across the country, the tact has generally been to take away this ability to shoot at moving cars. Denver had a highly controversial incident that I think prompted the the rule change here where an unarmed teenager was shot and killed by an officer in an alley uh, in a situation where she may have been trying to evade the police, but there may not have been... Uh, a dangerous circumstance, exactly. You know, it's complicated. Certainly, we have to value and protect the lives of our police officers who are there to protect and serve us. Um, but there's a fine line there. And my understanding of the research around this issue is that in most cases, firing into a, a moving vehicle is not productive for the officer or for the person, obviously, in the car. Um, so my sense is that Denver made the right move here. I think it's unusual to see. Um, basically an urban suburb go in this direction when the trend, again, across the country has been to restrict this sort of action. So I think it's highly unusual, and I suspect that uh, as soon as something happens, it will become controversial.
0: Lisa, is Aurora protecting its police officers, or is it being tone deaf to recent events?
4: Uh, A little bit of both, which is always aggravating. I think it's a it seems to me that they're being somewhat tone deaf because if I were in the community it sounds like they're saying it's okay and the self-defense thing it's like absolutely police have the right to defend themselves and their lives and I don't think I think their lives matter extraordinarily and I think most citizens probably feel this way as well I certainly hope so but I think at the same time you're watching your community make a choice of your police department sort of back off of something that in fact seems to be the best practice of a lot of police departments across the nation and even as sort of suggested by police sympathetic organizations, Mm -hmm. um, that 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 language, the sort of categorical quality of that language helps people make a real decision as opposed to, and and it's weird because when you're reading sort of the coverage, there's this way in which um, the police departments say the language is too categorical, but it's understood that you're not supposed to. And it's just like you can't sort of have it both ways at this moment, and that's sort of seems seems like. So i be, I mean, I think that they're being somewhat tone deaf to the concerns of uh, a number of citizens, and I'm also, con- and and I actually think that police lives matter. Yes, absolutely. But like the self defense issue has been its own sort of very complicated psychological problem in terms of when people actually feel in danger, and that would be my fear.
0: Patty, Aurora is some of an outlier in this now since a lot of cities, including Denver, have reversed it. Um, what do you think of their outlier status on this?
1: I think they'll probably wind up having to pull back as soon as they have an incident that clearly isn't self-defense. I agree with everyone at the table that people want, you want your law enforcement it, agents to be able to defend themselves, especially from a huge car coming their way. But the problem in Denver stemmed from not just one, but four incidents where it was really questionable whether it was a matter of self-defense or whether they were just shooting at a miscreant in a vehicle, and there were several incidents where clearly it was a bad guy behind the wheel, but he wasn't going towards the police officers. He was just driving. And the problem then becomes if you're shooting at someone it goes out of control, you've got this huge, huge car that is endangering others, too. So I think Denver made the right move. They're just being more cautious when there is a bad guy behind the wheel coming at you or maybe not coming at you. And Aurora might learn the hard way, too, that you've got to be more careful.
0: The Greeley City Council this week voted 5-2 to to overturn a Greeley Planning Commission decision that denied a permit for 22 oil and gas wells near a neighborhood. The now approved plan follows all current zoning laws regulating oil uh, operations near residential areas. However, residents are worried about traffic and air quality. Ben, we have a situation here where we're probably a week away from hearing about uh, probably pretty significant layoffs in the oil and gas industry uh, in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two major uh, companies that uh, work in Will County and throughout Colorado said that's on the horizon within less than a week. Um, Did Greeley make the right move here? The city council. For sure. Specific- I mean, it,
3: this is a very contentious issue here in our state. Um, I s- saw the same thing you saw. Anadarko is projected to lay off a 1,000 workers, which is a, a significant percentage of their workforce. I think that there is a, a natural and, uh, you know, real tension between neighbors and uh, drillers. You know, personally, if it were near my house, I would be terribly uncomfortable with the notion of, of drills and wells and, and those sorts of things going on, so I have a lot of sympathy for the residents. Uh, on the other hand, I understand that uh, you know, governing bodies have to follow the law, they have to follow rules, and they're simply saying, these are the rules as they exist today, and we're going to follow them. So this is an issue that is not going to go away. There's all sorts of talk about ballot language around, around these same issues. Um, you know, I suspect that uh, what's happening in Greeley is going to play out in other communities across our state, and, you know, I, I know that there are different forces working to basically create a resolution around this so that it either will happen or it won't. Um, <laughs> this is a very difficult one, and, I, you know, again, if it were me near my house, I would, I would be opposed to this. So that's generally where I come down. Um, certainly we are a big oil and gas state, and we need to have... Uh, those things going on to to support our economy. So it's it's just going to continue to be extremely contentious. And I think as soon as we can really identify what the actual environmental impacts are, what the actual health impacts are for nearby residents, um, that's when we can make a real determination about whether this kind of drilling should go on or not.
0: Lisa, as Ben referenced, the ballot mm-hmm. is likely to have a variety of fracking initiatives, whether pro or con. Do you think this situation becomes fuel for the fire for either side? I'm sorry. Does this does this situation in Greeley now become a uh, some of a poster child for folks who are going to be putting fracking issues in the ballot? Uh,
4: I think it probably does because it it's asking, um, it's pitting people who not pitting, but it's like having people at talking about property rights on one side and sort of the commons, right, like water and air uh, and their own property values against people's mineral rights um, to some degree that I mean at least that's the way it was sort of breaking down at the um, city council meeting and I thought that was interesting and I thought that was actually sort of similar to the last time I was here there was like a we had this sort of um, conversation about zoning and when, when the city council comes in and they have to like uphold the laws and when people are like asking the city council they or a city council to intervene in a certain way that goes against reg, you know, what the laws are. And you have to sort of, well, back it up, people, and do the work um, in the ballot or in, you know, in the real legislation in a certain way and sort of having a different and much more difficult conversation about different kinds of property rights and what belongs to the commons and what belongs to a person an individual. And that's not even sort of going towards the conversation about the actual rights of a corporation. I'm actually more interested in the ways in which um, this will play out about citizens against citizens, and try, or, or citizens trying to figure out each other's positions about what constitutes their sort of rights to clean air, clean water, and their own sort of land.
0: Patty, Greeley's in the middle of Wealth County, which is ground zero for the oil and gas industry in Colorado. So was this overturning of a decision all that surprising?
1: No, I don't think it was that surprising, especially given Greeley's um, land rules, but Greeley has really enjoyed and and Weld County have enjoyed the boom and now as the bust comes we'll see what happens. Will they be more hospitable to the oil and gas companies that still want to drill just because they want to keep some of that income coming in or will we suddenly have a bunch of citizens who really want to fight this and be heard more loudly because you're not getting that much money. The industry isn't as important in Weld County. So we will Definitely see this on the ballot in some form or other in November, and I think the conversation will get very, very heated as we go up to that election.
0: David, did it seem odd to you for a city council to overrule a planning commission? I and I wouldn't expect you to have you know statistics on how often this happens, but did that feel like a rare situation, or does this happen from time to time? Oh, it, it
2: happens often enough in all, okay. all kinds of contexts. Uh, Colorado has the strictest laws about fracking in the in the country, but they're they're. Tough regulations, and they're not prohibitions. The companies involved were complying with all the laws and complying with Greeley zoning. So of course, the city council did the right thing, which they almost had to do, which is to follow the existing law. Of course, people can change the law if they want to, but I think that would be a mistake. It would be selfish. In fact, part of living in society is you respect the property rights of other people. You know, maybe you're Jewish or Muslim, so you you hate pork, but that doesn't mean you can prohibit your next-door neighbor, if with proper zoning and following all the regulations, from opening up a meat store that happens to sell sausage. Same thing with these people who have this quasi-religious, anti-scientific opposition to all forms of oil, coal, natural gas. They can have their, relig- their religious Gaia-ish views of just leave it in the ground, but they don't have any good public health science behind them. That Colorado Department of Public Health and the Environment, the EPA, and on and on and on have repeatedly shown that these chicken little scenarios about fracking are all false. It is not a threat to anyone's health when properly regulated.
0: Let's get a quick take on this last one.
2: Denver Mayor Michael
0: Hancock announced the Next Stage Plan, which is the newly proposed design of the Denver Performing Arts Center. The plan calls for a design and funding study to take place over the next nine months. Uh, Lisa, uh, out of the table, you're one of our theater experts here. So what do you think of the plan and the the year they've given to do the financial study?
4: Well, I think it's sort of vital that they use the year to do the financial study. I'm what I saw, I'm intrigued by, because it opens, it, it opens up that complex just physically to invite more people in. It's not that it's a fortress down there. I mean, I love the Denver Center of Performing Arts, but it is kind of like only active at night when there's events going on. And I think there's such a better opportunity for sort of a public plaza, an inviting kind of space, and also a much more enlivened space in terms of retail. And some of the, one of the things I'm most excited about with the Next Stage project, though, is Probably, though, I bet I'll have some, like, but then again, moment (laughs) later on. But for the moment, I'm interested in the fact that they wanted to bring students and high school students down there and bring, like, a performing arts school there. Mm -hmm. They're doing some things that actually the Denver Center backed off of, I mean, Denver Center of Performing Arts backed off of, which was like a media center, things that the Denver Center sort of closed down in order to be a stronger theatrical producing organization and this isn't obviously just about the Denver Center of Performing Arts but it's a it's a major player in that so mm-hmm. that's I think that it's interesting and I actually hope that as they're doing the funding they continue to sort of you know have their ears open to what other uh, what people want in terms of inclusion because that's really part of it it's like diversity sure. inclusion you know enlivening the downtown area in a real way.
0: Patty what do you think of the plan of the year they give themselves to do the financial study?
1: Well, it's going to take a year to figure out how to possibly fund this because we're already trying to come up with the money to finish funding the National Western Center. So in a lot of ways, this is what was originally envisioned for the Denver Performing Arts Complex. You know, you were supposed to have entrances off Spear that would link it to the Auraria campus, which would be the first great start just because you've got 30,000 students there who could use that as a passageway downtown. The solution for Betcher seems kind of sweet if it works, a smaller auditorium instead of that horrible parking lot and then more areas for smaller performing arts groups to use. So a lot of it looks lovely on paper, but the question is, how in the world are we going to pay for it? It is not going to be seat taxes at all those venues.
2: David, what's your quick take on the issue? I hope people get very involved in in participating because last time we spent millions and millions of taxpayer dollars on this area. Some of it was done very well, and some of it, like the parking garage, was shockingly ineffective. Uh, as it turned out. So I hope there's a lot of citizen input that, that gets it done right.
3: Ben, wrap it up for us. Another prime example of a nice idea that I fear will be terribly implemented. You know, talk about Betcher. the notion of tearing down Betcher is the exact opposite of a sustainable approach. They're also talking about giving away public land to private developers without asking taxpayers, which I think is a huge problem and something that this administration has repeatedly shown a willingness to do, which I, again, find deeply problematic and a violation of the public trust. I think if you look at their history of finance, plans, calling them plans or even calling them uh, finance is a stretch and and quite generous. Uh, These people don't know how to pay for their ideas. And finally, Patty alluded, we should absolutely connect it to the Auraria campus. Spear probably should be buried underground there. But, frankly, if you look around at the totality of the projects that this administration has taken on, they have done nothing to add infrastructure or capacity around the projects that they're doing. I would expect nothing different here. So my take is, as usual, a very cynical one when it comes to this administration. But, frankly, the proof is in the pudding. They've had six years, and they haven't shown any capacity to have visionary leadership.
0: I just wish you took a position on this, man. you do. just seem so, so, so wishy-washy. Milk toast, yeah. maybe next time, maybe next time. <laughs> uh, let's quickly get through our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. Patty, start us off. The
1: ongoing saga of Rocky Allen, the Swedish tech, who it turns out had been fired over and over, and people should have had access to that information.
2: David. The three members of the State Board of Education who unsuccessfully opposed a good idea, which is for kids in bilingual education, give them an English proficiency test uh, at least once a year. It's supposed to be bilingual, which means you're learning English rather than, as the minority would prefer, kids get stuck in a perpetual Spanish-only ghetto.
3: Ben. How about the grown-ups in the remaining uh, Republican Party for not actually splitting off and saying, listen, we're going to just take a political hit here for a few years so that we can have a real party that says, says and does grown-up things? <laughs> uh, Lisa? Uh,
4: I'm a Pollyanna, so I go sort of light. Uh, <laughs> looking at um, articles about homelessness online and seeing um, banner ads for um, new, commu- new home communities uh, starting at 300000 to $600,000. It's like I know that it's supposed to be a separation of church and state when it comes to editorial and advertising, but I kind of want to also think that really you, that shows the disconnect that helps perpetuate why we are fine sweeping off sweeping homeless people off the street potentially.
0: Say something nice about somebody very quickly. Patty.
4: Talk about political
1: parties. The Libertarian Party got its start here in Colorado. It's having its convention this weekend. Want to consider an alter- alternative? Go to that.
2: You'll get a lot of people thinking of that alternative. David. Yonatan Azarahab, an Israeli who was stabbed in the neck by a Palestinian terrorist. He pulled the knife out of his neck and killed the terrorist. As the Talmud says, if someone comes to kill you, rise up and kill them first. Happy Purim, dude.
3: Wow. <laughs> ben. I was going to acknowledge uh, my stepdad, William Stanfell who passed away last fall and we're having uh, a memorial for him this weekend, and he was just a wonderful man. He was uh, deeply supportive of this station, of uh, Colorado Public Radio, of the Corbell School at the University of Denver, and um, just wanted to acknowledge him. He was a great guy. He definitely will be missed. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Lisa?
4: I want to give a shout-out to Lindsey Jones, former Denver Post writer who is at USA Today and had the temerity to ask Peyton Manning at a press conference, um, a question that needed to be asked about um, the sexual allegations. I thought he handled it well. I thought she handled it well. I thought the people, he could, people could take a, um, a lesson from Peyton about grace and just, like, allow that that she's a journalist. It's okay mm-hmm. to ask a question.
0: That's all the time we had tonight. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks very much for watching. Good night. <laughs>